0: Welcome to Rank and Vile, the podcast where we attempt to rank every single horror movie ever. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. Uh, and on this episode, we are joined uh, once again by uh, author Betty Rocksteady. How's it going? Great. How are you guys doing? Doing good. Doing pretty good. I'm pretty stoked about uh, the movie we are going to be, um, or the main movie we're going to be talking about on this episode, which traumatized me as a
1: child.
2: I think it did so to a lot of children.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, from some cursory research, uh, a lot of these children's movies have uh, traumatized a lot of people.
2: Especially from that era.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. So, Betty, what have you been up to lately um, in the world of being a spooky person?
2: Um, well, last time I was talking to you, I think, um, like, Jagged Teeth had just released. So yeah, mm-hmm. after that, I got really obsessed with um, Max Fleischer oh. cartoons again. It was like a childhood obsession. Are you guys familiar? Hell yeah. yeah, like oh, Betty Boop and those kind. Yeah. Black mm-hmm. and white, like the rubber hose kind of thing. And I'm an illustrator, oh, yeah. also, so I've been doing a ton of drawing, kind of a mix of that style and Edward Gorey style. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so I'm releasing a book really soon called Writhing Skies, which is violent and sexual and horrible, and it's completely illustrated with uh, that kind of art style.
0: Oh my, oh my god, I love the title, Writhing Skies, by the Thank way. Thank you. Is so viscerabl- it's like so viscerally uncomfortable that it's, yeah, I... I... Okay, well, that's perfect then, because the whole book is definitely meant to be viscerally uncomfortable, so... <laughs> Excellent. So, yeah, so it's like a it's like a whole thing. Um, yeah, also with Edward Gorey, I feel like uh, everybody's sort of intro to Edward Gorey's The Gashley Crumb Tinies, and... Yeah, I I feel like I need to learn more generally about Gore. Yeah, I
2: just listen. I've always been into his art, and I listened to a podcast about him the other day. Yeah, Gashley Crumtiney's is definitely what everyone's heard of. It's not really my favorite of his work, though.
0: Mm -hmm. So what would you say is your favorite Edward Gorey? Uh, There's one
2: called The West Wing, which is my favorite haunted house story ever, and it has no words. It's just like all these intricately drawn in his distinctive style rooms with something slightly unsettling in the room and it's like you're going deeper and deeper into the house and it's getting strange and there's no plot oh, to it but it's just a very strange experience and that's mostly what he did was um he did write do a lot of writing but it was sort of about the combination of the two together
0: Mhm. just yeah like the, the the duality between those two things Mhm.
2: but yeah west wing's definitely my favorite it was very strange
0: Okay, yeah, I gotta look into that. Um Quincy, what what ghoul shit have you been up to this
1: week? So uh 1984 Publishing uh, sent me a copy of Ghoulish, The Art of Gary Pullen. And it's this like really oversized coffee table book of all of Ghoulish Gary's artwork. And mm-hmm. uh people aren't gonna tell you this. Uh Gary Pullen's a really good <laughs> artist.
2: Yeah, he's great. <laughs>
1: also um i didn't realize how much commercial horror art gary pullen has done like everything i like turns out he drew it (laughs) and i have not realized that so um right yeah if you have not picked up a copy of this uh book it's real pretty and uh everyone listening should go on amazon and get it really quickly um also uh Gary Pullen in, in in an interview talks about like how hilarious House of Frankenstein was like his intro to horror and mm-hmm. I had never heard about it until I, I read this and now all I want to do is track down this kid's uh, TV show.
2: It's a mess. <laughs> I was hooked on it when <laughs> I was a little kid. I think it played either at lunchtime or right before school and uh, yeah, I watched a lot of that show. It doesn't hold up that well on a second viewing.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, which which is a bummer because of that title. Oh, yeah. You want to like something called that.
2: And the characters are all brilliant. Like, they're just designed kind of terribly. The effects are cheap, but in, like, a really great way. And, like, Vincent Price is in it reading poetry, I think. It's been yeah, some price. Yeah. yeah i think he
1: does at least does the intro for every episode mm-hmm.
2: yeah it's a well, that's, it's that's a not for nothing. strange show it's hard to watch a lot of it at once though like now <laughs>
1: <laughs> so so you had the pleasure of growing up and seeing um seeing uh hilarious house of Frankenstein*. uh tell me about seeing return to oz when you were a child
2: Now this is going to surprise you. I didn't see it when I was a child. Yeah, I didn't watch Return to Oz until I was around 20. And I think I've seen it about 50 times since, you know, the last 10 years. (laughs) I've watched it a lot of times. Um, Right. That's
1: awesome because, like, it was a movie that I think I caught. I don't have a vivid memory of watching this as a child, so certainly I didn't watch it all the way through but like I was raised on cable TV and channel surfing so I think that's probably how I saw it because I, I rewatched it today and a lot of the images are familiar if not the entire film is uh, but Ryan you were, you were saying earlier about how you like broke out into a cold sweat when we decided to do this movie <laughs> this week oh yeah
0: oh man see this is well because the thing is um <laughs> Return to Oz, like, obviously as a kid, I really, really loved the original Wizard of Oz because we had, you know, it was like one of the few VHS tapes that we had. And then I had a babysitter. Now, you I need you to understand, this is a babysitter that fundamentally changed my life. Her name was Stephanie. She was 16 years old, I think, when she was babysitting me. So to me, she was like in her 30s probably <laughs> and had her own apartment. Um, And she, this was the babysitter who um, made me watch Child's Play at one point because I kept getting out of bed after she would put me to bed and, like, you know, she made me watch Child's Play and told me that if I kept getting out of bed, Chucky would (laughs) kill me. So, Stephanie is history's greatest monster, and one of the things that she did, she made me watch Return to Oz. And specifically the one thing i remembered most from this movie was the bit where she's getting strapped at where dorothy is getting strapped down to the gurney at this like sort of scary old-timey um mental hospital she's getting electroshock and... therapy which
2: is like yeah, the yeah, most yeah. batchet way to start the movie like that is dark
0: yeah yeah well and the thing is with well and the thing is i have a um i it's a weird peeve of mine is the way that ect is portrayed in movies, because it might be kind of a niche uh, niche issue, but it bugs me, I mean, I mean, and in fairness, this was turn of the century, so it was not yet 1900 yet, um, where people are just like strapping people to like car batteries for whatever reason, um, but generally any movie that portrays ECT as being like, yep, yeah, you're definitely wide awake for electroshock, and it hurts really badly, And, you know, just the sort of cartoonish, like, I think Ken Kesey is largely responsible for everybody's popular conception of how electroconvulsive therapy works. Yeah,
1: and it's it's actually, like, backed with neuroscience. I mean,
2: I know that electroshock therapy is, it's good now, like, I, I know a lot of people get treated with it, and it's helpful, and it's safe, but was it that good when it started? Because I thought that in the early years of electroshock therapy, it was, it could be quite damaging to people.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it. Um, I think it's sort of. Uh, it, it's undergone a lot of um, trial and error in the way that it used to be applied. I don't know that it was being used as early as the, as the nineteenth. Oh, probably not. Um, where it's just sort of like, yeah, you know, rural Kansas. You know what everybody was a really big fan of was
1: just electroshock therapy. Yeah, you know what happens I, when your child has a vivid imagination? Electroshock <laughs> therapy.
0: <laughs> my, my kid keeps constructing these elaborate stories about these fantastical characters, so naturally we will decided zap to those out. Yeah, yeah, we're just going to trep in her, you know, with a, with an ice pick, just see what happens. Um, but yeah, this movie is fucking buck wild. Mm-hmm. There's a- there's a talking chicken in it. I love Belina. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my god! It's got a talking chicken. Um, it's got um, honestly the other thing that traumatized me as a kid was the Wheeler. Of course, yeah. yeah.
1: And they're never Jeez, like really explained. Joseph. It's just what like
2: an excellent character design. I love the way they yes. look and the mm-hmm. the costume oh, is yeah. it's great. And uh claymation, there's a lot of claymation in this movie too, or stop motion of some sort with the Gnome King and like claymation freaks me out. It always looks so strange, especially when mixed with like live action people. It's it's yeah, just and, bad. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and
1: claymation mixed with characters and su- and like rubber suits, so like there are those scenes where the um king gets like it's it's cross cut between Claymation and an actor in a rubber suit. So, mm-hmm. so Uncanny Valley is really gets screwy.
0: Well, and Claymation always just makes, honestly, anytime that I see a Claymation mixed with live action, I think instantly of Large Marge from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. Oh, I never like saw the, that. The truck driver just tell him, Marge sent ya. Just like the horrible. Yeah, Claymation. Another formative scene. But yeah, like the wheelers, like they look like. Uh, They look like new wave kids got bitten by a radioactive transformer. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. They've all got wheels for hens, and they're all super colorful. They all look like they listen to way too much of Dexy's Midnight Runners. They're screaming constantly. Oh, yeah. They're down for murder.
2: Maniacs. Absolutely. Like, just shrieking and shrill and laughing. I love them. (laughs) Like...
0: Yeah, yeah, literally threatening to do a murder on Dorothy where they are like, she's behind a wall, and they're like, we're going to leave your body in the desert. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, this is a kids movie. Thanks, Disney. Cool. Alright, let's yeah, it's a fucking let's let kids movie. watch this.
2: And I just, I love the whole opening of, like, Dorothy can't, like, she's still obsessed with Oz, she can't stop talking about it, wheeled away to a mental institution, finally gets to Oz after, like, a bunch of trauma, and Oz is devastated. Like as far as we can tell everybody's dead or like turned to stone and never coming back like it's bad.
0: Yeah, and so like did it did it go to shit specifically because Dorothy fucked off back to Kansas?
2: Yeah, um the Nome King got a hold of her shoes.
1: That's, That's where he got all the vacuum. power, yeah. It's a it's a metaphor for mm-hmm. uh American imperialism in the 80s. <laughs> 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 and that is why it's comparable to Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly
0: yeah yeah it's a, it's an allegory for imperialism well, and also with uh, Dorothy um, telling all these wild stories about Oz like you've got, so her uh, Aunt Auntie M who is just called Aunt M in the thing I've never actually read the Oz books so I don't know if it's Auntie M or Aunt M um, who was kind of like a benign presence in the 1930s Wizard of Oz uh, not in this fucking movie <laughs> Aunt M is played by Piper Laurie who. You see that face and you're like, oh, I don't know who you are, but I know you're back on your bullshit. (laughs) Like, Carrie's Carrie's mom pops up and it's like, sorry, kiddo, we're leaving you at the insane asylum. Toodles! And she just, like, cartwheels out
1: and leaves her to die via car battery. Did you notice she also, like... So, Dorothy's uncle has, like, a broken leg and they're leaving on the wagon to go into the town... And Dorothy says, "I hope his leg gets better." And Aunt Em is like, "Oh, it's been fine for weeks. He's just faking it."
0: <laughs> what a bitch! <laughs> Man, she's she she goes hard. I think we're what we're supposed to believe that he's basically the the Tin Woodsman. Oh, yeah, that Twitter, makes sense. So he's like this... Yeah, because she's, she's talking about like, oh, you know, there was a woodsman who replaces... You know, she's like talking to the um, the evil um, head doctor who likes strapping kids to car batteries. And she's like, yeah, there's a woodsman who, who uh, had a tin leg, and then he started cutting off all of his other body parts and replacing them with tin until even his... Yeah, the you know. You know, you know the thing when you make a really fun kids movie about fun kids movie stuff?
1: Um, so, so... Is this supposed to be scary, or did it just happen through a weird confluence of, like, reckless imagery?
2: I mean, I have, I think it must be at least somewhat accidental. Like, I have a lot of, uh, well, not a lot, but I have some, like, merchandise from this movie, and it's all very much presented as, like, a kid's movie. It's not presented as, like, a dark, gritty take on Wizard of Oz or anything. It's just the sequel it just happens to be (laughs) insane
0: (laughs) but like so wait so was this movie pre or post dark crystal because i feel like you could do a triple feature of labyrinth the dark crystal and return to oz and this would be like that really gritty shit you show at the end of the night when it's just the ghouls hanging around (laughs) for the third film
1: so this came out um in 85 uh so it came out after because uh brian henson was a literal baby in Labyrinth and he was an adult voice. Um, what the fuck, what the was, fuck happening? was happening in the... Was it, were they okay? Like, <laughs> they were very much they, not okay. Dark Mission was <laughs> 82. Um, Labyrinth was 86. It's that definite like goth vibe.
2: And that's uh, yeah. Feruza Balk that plays Dorothy from The Craft. Yeah, and she is. she is a terrific Dorothy. She's my favorite Dorothy.
0: Oh, she's, <sighs> oh, she's got such a great on screen presence in this movie. Like she just she's got she's got these big haunting green eyes and she just you know who she kind of looks like? Um there was this child actor also in the eighties who was um he played um the baby in Nightmare on Elm Street Part five. Um and he was in like a bunch of stuff and it's kind of like I, I feel like if you were a haunting looking kid circa nineteen eighty five you were, like you were like a New York City, City comedian where like all, like all you have to do is a look a certain way and, and yell a lot and you will have a great career <laughs> in the 1980s if you're a haunting child actor.
1: I think the reason why I like this movie so much is it is that very 19, mid-1980 everything is practical effects or everything yes. is done by hand. And it is all effects. It is There's no, like, well, we can't do that. It's Disney budget, let's do everything, let's make a flying gump, let's make a man out of ten.
2: Oh, I love the gump. <laughs>
1: let's do the Gnome King claymation, let's have a woman with replaceable heads, let's do it all. And there's no, at no point I feel like anyone on set said, we can't do that. Oh my god, the mommy with the replaceable heads.
0: Yeah. Um, that... I I had forgotten about that as a kid, and I'm watching this as a grown ass man. (laughs) And there's there's something about about that scene where, you know, Dorothy is looking through the the cupboard, and then the the severed head head of the mombi in the cabinet cabinet opens the eyes, eyes. and then she's like running through this hallway full of severed heads that are all screaming wild eyed. And yeah, the entire thing is she just likes taking off people's heads and putting them on. And this movie is insane. I I don't I couldn't, I couldn't actually, actually uh, all right and here's my here's my other question about Return to Oz, is it supposed, is it supposed to be that, to be that, are that like there are like expies of, of the Tin Man the Cowardly lion, lion and the Scarecrow, the Scarecrow you've where got got, you've got um the 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 Jack O' Lantern headed guy you've, you've got, got a robot you've and you've got a stuffed moose head,
2: head. head. on it so does it. really kind of create the same dynamics doesn't it yeah
0: like it keeps her hmm. Yeah, this this trio of, of characters. The
2: army of Oz is one of my favorite characters in anything ever. The robot, I think he's brilliant.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. The, which, which I, love like I love that he, he, defeats, he defeats scores, of, scores goons of goons purely by purely standing in the same place <laughs> and
2: spinning
1: really
2: fast. <laughs> they just keep Everyone running just at it.
1: Everybody just runs into him single file, like, oh, it's no. It's because no one it's... in Oz has experienced physics. But, I mean, this is canon, because... um. The Wizard of Oz was able to depose a ruler and in place a like ironclad regime just by using simple science. So like it's it really is a metaphor for imperialism. All the Wizard of Oz <laughs> is imperialism.
0: Yeah, and honestly, like the scene where the Gnome King, because it's funny because like I feel like um, I was conditioned to think that like what if the Wizard of Oz being basically a harmless doofus is kind of, maybe the Gnome King is just <laughs> like a, a Quaker who listens to a lot of Simon Garfunkel, but occasionally he gets squirrely and he likes taking people hostage. And then there's a bit where he just starts eating people whole. Yeah. Just unhinging his jaw, oh, yeah. and eating the gump. And I'm just sitting there like, what am i looking at like this is i mean yeah i i don't i i defy the the people who made this film to tell me that they didn't know this was the most horrifying fucking thing anyone had ever committed yeah
2: it's hard to imagine them picturing this as yeah this will be
0: great for kids i like kids (laughs) (laughs) i know what kids want a fun a fun time for kids to have but
1: like just Let's yeah. talk about the best children's media. Have you all ever seen the Fleischer um, cartoon, The Cobweb Hotel?
0: Yes. Yeah. I have never seen it. So
1: I showed my wife The Cobweb Hotel, and I was like, this is my favorite cartoon as a child. And first of all, she was like, You're wa- you watched a 1936 cartoon in the 90s? And I was like, yeah, I had a lot of old tapes. And the second was, who hurt you? Why would you watch this <laughs> hotel owner who's a spider build the, the the H.H. homes of spiders builds a hotel yeah. and gets flies to to check in and kills them
0: holy shit I, the H.H. by the way thank you for the title of this episode the H.H. homes of <laughs> <laughs> but yeah like,
1: and oh. man, we need to put the Cabo Hotel on this list because Ryan you need to watch it it's like 8 minutes you can probably find it on YouTube yeah, most of them are on there. Yeah. Also, um, I want to thank... So, uh,
0: Sarah, uh, my buddy Sarah is uh, in the background, and um, they just pointed out that, like, is the Gnome King... Like, is this a vor thing? Like, they, they sort of <laughs> broke down the letters of Gnome, N-O-M-E, until it was N-O-M-E, N-O-R-E, and then just vor, vor King, and then
1: coincidence?
2: No, I um, agree. There's no way that can be a coincidence, and then he's eaten everyone.
1: It's also Gnome, N-O-M-E, yeah. so is it some kind of, like... Play on no name, or I don't know. There's some sort it, of I, symbolism
0: I, I, to that. I've been through the I've been through uh, the dangerous desert on a horse with no name. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, so, so, I'm sorry. the de- The deadly desert. That's the name of the thing in in
1: Wizard of so, Oz, so Jesus Christ. What and I'm, I'm wondering actually at is children's media is media that's enduring is is consistently fucked up.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, and I feel like we're almost missing that now, because I honestly, you know what it is that changed everything? It was fucking Shrek. Because I feel like for years and years, especially when I was a kid, you know, with, like when we would, I mean, and this isn't even me sort of old man yells at cloud, like when we were kids and you would watch a thing like, for example, all dogs go to heaven. And you are watching a thing where like, there's a vision sequence where a dog goes to Christian hell. Um, but so are, you know, your folks are like, yeah, this rules like while watching it for, for kids. And then later on, I feel like Shrek ruined everything because then it became like, well, we want to put in some fun pop culture jokes for the kids' parents who are watching this. And there was nothing quite that traumatizing post, I would say, about 2000.
2: I mean, see, the problem for me is I don't really watch children's stuff anymore, so I don't know if that's true or not.
1: You know, I'm I'm trying to think of something as a good counterpoint. And um, all I can think about is Coraline.
0: Oh yeah, which is also sort of meant to be disturbing. Yeah, yes.
1: but also like that whole Leica Studio is a bunch of you know A plus ghouls because um mm-hmm. like uh, box trolls like a guy blows up out of having like a um, allergic reaction like his his face like pusses up and I think he explodes. So like they're they're bringing it back.
0: Well, see, now that I think about it, I feel like you could do also either that or a double feature for an episode with Return to Oz and uh, The Witches. Yeah! Oh,
2: yeah. That's a good one.
0: Fuck, man. That movie also uh, scared the holy hell out of me as a kid.
1: Okay, you know another and- movie that has been lost to the ages, but I rewatched and is really creepy, is We're Back, the dinosaur movie? Oh, shit. I remember that. Dinosaurs eat cereal that makes them smart, but then they get uh, roped into being part of a circus. And also, the guy that runs the circus has an actual screw for an eye and is also maybe the devil.
2: Nice. Okay. Yeah,
1: it's pretty creepy. nice. Wait, why did I think why did I
0: think Whoopi Goldberg was in that? What dinosaur movie was Whoopi Goldberg in? Where she's Theodore a cop and Rex. her partner is a Theodore Rex. Thank you. Um, the nineties people were, really like dinosaurs. Um, <laughs> just, <laughs> fucking super into dinosaurs, but yeah. Uh, so it makes me wonder, like, what's the movie that, like, you know, kids who are maybe in junior high right now will later on one day be like, what, like, what, what were those formative movies that every kid saw that they were like uniformly they all had the tunnel scene in Willy Wonka experience? Yeah,
1: I I wonder because it's hard to really point that out. Um, I know for my son, it was when uh, Ash got killed by that Pokemon in the new Pokemon movie, because he like, started bawling in the theater. Um, Wait, Ash gets murdered by a Pokemon? Um, Ryan, Ash gets killed by a Pokemon in almost every Pokemon
2: movie. Does he?
1: Yeah, and the power <laughs> of love resurrects him. Oh, that
2: makes sense. <laughs> uh,
1: okay, so spoiler alert for Pokemon fans, so skip ahead 15 minutes. 15 seconds. 15 minutes. I'm going to talk about this a while. Um, In the newest Pokemon movie, uh, Ash gets, like, dealt the death blow by a legendary Pokemon, and he's like, Pikachu, get in your ball so you'll be safe. Why won't you get in your ball? Mm. And his vision goes hazy, and Pikachu says in a human voice, (laughs) because I want to be with you. (laughs) oh so there's the scary part (laughs) yeah (laughs) that sounds terrifying y'all i love pokemon by the way (laughs) like a lot
0: oh yeah wait quick question does pikachu sound like a normal like a nice thing or is it like he sounds like a mailman from brooklyn where's like because i want to be with you (laughs) okay so
1: in detective pikachu he sounds like a a grizzled detective and he drinks coffee (laughs) and smokes because that's a Pikachu that learned how to solve crimes, and and that comes with right. the territory. There's but no going the back Pikachu now. In Pokemon the movie, I choose you sounds like a little child. I see.
0: So it's it's not just like a large man who wants to hang out with Ash forever. It's like a yeah, like a like a small electric road. Yeah. Um. So return. So return to Oz. <laughs> um. My other. So my other question about Return to Oz. Um, the end of the film, I feel like it kind of doesn't know what to do with itself, where it's like, okay, so the, uh, the talking chicken that's hanging out with Dorothy, um, I'm so sorry, Betty, what, what's the the chicken's name? Oh, Belina. Belina, thank you. Um, it's revealed that eggs are poison to gnomes.
2: Well, the gnome king had been... Like, frightened of the chicken the whole movie. And, like, everyone had been kind of murmuring about, like, like the claymation rock guys. They were like, oh, they have a chicken! Not a chicken! Oh no, a chicken! So...
0: Right. And, yeah, so everybody's, like, super aggro about the fact that there is a chicken that exists in the world. And they never actually sort of say why, it's just like oh, where's that chicken? And then eventually finally, like, so uh, Gnome King is voring the (laughs) hell out of everyone in Oz and then is about to eat um, Jack Pumpkinhead, and the chicken, um Bellina the chicken is hanging out inside Jack's hollow pumpkin skull and through some goofy bullshit um, an egg falls out of his and down down the gullet of the Gnome King, and he's like oh, fuck, <laughs> and then they all die. Don't
2: you know eggs are poison?
0: <laughs> yeah, he's like, they're poison, and then there's a long pause, he's like, two gnomes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I, oh my god, it's, so it's a bit, it's, it's a bit contrived. And he I just do sort of fucking
2: bit... disintegrates, though. Like, oh, yeah. not only are they poison, he's all like, oh, I don't feel good, I'm gonna go lay down and die, he like falls completely apart everything falls apart the whole cavern all
1: on camera too (laughs) oh for sure
2: Um,
0: yeah you uh, which you know totally undoes the trauma you've just experienced of watching him vor the hell out of the gump couch like just his anyway anyway so um Dorothy doesn't do a whole lot at the climax of this film like she is there I guess while an egg kills the Dome King um but I also like that the Gnome King just sort of makes up bullshit rules, where he's like, yeah, so we'll play a game, and then if you win, I'll, I won't i will kill you and all of your friends, and then he just sort of, I don't know. This movie has no idea what to do with itself. It
2: is. It's a mix of a couple other o- of the Oz books. I think there's like three that went into it, so we kind of pulled plot points from all of them and didn't really tie them together very well. Like, pop Ozma in there, the... Little girl at the end—that was the little girl in the beginning as well. She felt kind of yeah. tacked on too.
0: Mm. Hmm. Where, like, she, uh, she and Dorothy had both made a break for it and run from the spooky mental asylum where they electrocute children for having imaginations, and they both get sort of like washed away in a in a stream, and then that's yeah, that's where she comes back into the whole thing, and it's sort of justified with like, oh, you you remember this. Totally crucial character who definitely was in this film. And they just kind of mentioned, like,
2: yeah, Momby had her locked in this mirror. Ha ha.
0: Now she's out.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So I'm gonna throw out a seemingly what I think is a, a similar batshit crazy movie, and I want you to tell me higher or lower. Deathbed, the bed that eats. Oh, buddy. Better or worse? Is, is Return to Oz better or worse than Deathbed? I mean, I'd would say it's better, better than Deathbed.
2: I haven't seen Deathbed, but I imagine it's better.
1: Well, it's what it says on the box. It's a bed that eats people. Okay,
2: maybe we better put Return to Oz lower then. No. <laughs> it's
1: really
0: not big. Okay, it's certainly, okay. yeah. So I mean, like, I'm, I'm fond about... of Deathbed, but Return to Oz is objectively much better.
1: Yeah. So, how about Crimson Peak? The Guillermo del Toro, Tom Hiddleston uh, movie. I, I think it's better than Crimson Peak.
2: Is it, yeah, definitely.
0: I mean,
1: I, purely for the
0: practical effects in Return to Oz, this movie, honestly, it holds up so much better than I was afraid it was going to. Like, it's a joy to watch if, you know, also one of the most viscerally uncomfortable things anybody has ever made and committed to film.
1: Yes. So, Ryan, what is better, uncomfortable visuals? Body Melt or Return to Oz?
0: Ooh, I'm doing Return to Oz on that one because Body Melt is cartoony in a way that's sort of like fun, which is, you know, perfectly because, you know, like, it's perfect because that's what Body Melt is going for. But I feel like the effects in Return to Oz, like, I don't know. The chase scene with the wheelers is legitimately some of the best... Hor-
1: I think it's one of the best horror chase scenes I've ever, per- I've ever seen. Okay, so number 178 is Neon Maniacs, which has the perennial banger track, Baby Lied.
0: It certainly does, and I feel like this is where I draw the line. I, I would... Gone to my head, I would probably put Neon Maniacs above
1: Return to Oz. Now, Betty, have you seen I, Neon Maniacs? I haven't, no. Uh, it's you're not really missing much except for that one right. song that the band plays at the Battle of the Bands.
2: I mean, I've um, seen The Curse, and that's one ahead of Neon Maniacs, and I definitely think Return to Oz is better than The Curse.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think you're right because Will Wheaton and that is, and those like boils are not very.
2: I good. mean, I like The Curse, but I just think Return to Oz is better.
1: Yeah. Uh, now Blue Monkey is 173, which is a giant bug. It's alien with a giant bug. Um. I don't know if... See, it's tough because on what criteria, you know, how high do we go with this? Is it, like, it's a very good movie, but it's also, like, depending on who you ask, not supposed to be a scary
2: movie. Oh, returned Yeah, I mean... So many people universally recognize it as a scary movie, though. So doesn't that make it a scary movie?
1: Yeah, so. and it does even have a horror tag on IMDb. If you scroll down on the additional tags, people have finally agreed, yes, it is a horror movie.
0: Yeah. I, well, and it's funny because it, it immediately makes me think of one of my favorite um, responses ever to a, a, a question, which was like, I, I, we had just done Gremlins 2, the new batch for this podcast, Um, And it was, you know, me and um, Alex Rowland who, you know, like, uh, had to watch Gremlins 2. And and the question that I posed on Twitter um, was, who was Gremlin what was the target audience for (laughs) Gremlins 2? And I forget who it was that just responded, kids who aren't pussies. And I think that's literally the target audience for Return to Oz. Yes. (laughs) Where you're like, this is too terrifying for kids, but it's too childish for adults. And it's like, well, it's for kids that you really want to just, you know, toughen up and make them watch some real bullshit
1: yes okay so so let's get to it what's the better traumatizing children's movie gremlins 2 or return to oz oh i can't put
0: it i i i can't put it above gremlins 2 i don't know i i feel like that's that's just a step too far for me
2: i definitely wouldn't put it above gremlins 1 i might put it above gremlins 2 but i'm happy to see it in that area i think that's the right place for it
0: I, I, yeah, because I so, think narratively, it's definitely better than Gremlins Two. Because Gremlins Two doesn't have a p- plot, but but it's got I, a I, lot I of like... awesome, definitely. Oh yeah, yeah, it does have a, a a gremlin that turns into a bat, gets covered in concrete, and then freezes into a bat gargoyle after leaving a bat-shaped outline in a wall. So <laughs> that's, that's not for nothing.
1: So Gremlins One is number one hundred and four, and around it we have the Ring. Carnosaur, the It remake, uh, above it we have Candyman, Mm -hmm. we have Hellraiser 2 in this neck of the list. (laughs) Yeah, we do.
0: I I don't think that Return to Oz is better than Candyman?
2: No.
1: Yeah. yeah. I'm hard-pressed to say Return to Oz is better than the new It movie yeah I, 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 I was not see that on your list on it, here what
2: number is that
1: that's number 120 is it oh yes there it is 2017 I don't know um Betty what do you think it is it too soon to say the new it is really good like
2: I really liked the new it I don't think it's too soon to say that um it was scary definitely it was definitely scarier than Return to Oz in a different way
1: right but like the special effects in return of Oz are so good that it's kind of i'm hard-pressed to say like a lot of these movies that just do cgi i'm like yeah but that's like you know a man got his fingers dirty with clay (laughs) nightmare with his own bare hands
0: Right, and I don't, I, don't, I don't even think that's a, just us being like nostalgia enthusiasts. That you know, because I do think there's this thing where people, um, and especially with it, the problem was that the CG was so much that it sort of took me out of the film a couple of times. Where it was just sort of like, okay, this is this is a the CG here is a bit excessive. Can we just like maybe please do a practical effect here where a practical effect would do? And Return to Oz, I feel like there were moments where I had you know like with the stop motion, it was. So so good, and I feel like purely for that, I want to give the
1: edge to Return to Oz over it. Yeah. Yeah, but I think it's close. Okay, yeah. so Hellbound, Hellraiser Two is famously uh, accused of being a special effects demo reel.
2: <laughs> I love yeah. that movie though. But yeah, the weird—that was the one with the weird labyrinth basement-looking oh, yeah. thing. Yeah.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, and the and the Chenard with the like <laughs> flying around, just sort of. I yeah I fucking love Hellraiser two, but I feel like uh, they hmm. you know which by the way Hellraiser two and Return to Oz both of which involve uh, scary caretakers at a mental facility. They do,
1: which yeah. has more indelible horror. What what has burned a deeper scar in your in your frontal lobe?
0: I gotta go with Return to Oz.
1: <laughs> uh-huh yeah
0: I, it... <laughs> hell yeah yeah
1: so then like the next thing up there is like Pumpkinhead. head
0: mm, um, I, I do think i would put pumpkin head above return to oz okay why um because lance Henriksen. also because i i feel like the uh you know you've got stan winston effects you've got this really great like um also, two movies with a pumpkin head being in it that are drastically different pumpkin heads. Yeah, slightly <laughs> yeah, different. Yeah. Different heads. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like 13 <laughs> Ways of Looking at a Blackbird, it's 13 Ways of Looking at a Pumpkinhead. Um, I, 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 pumpkin oh, uh, I think I would put um, Pumpkinhead. Head...
1: title.
0: Oh, absolutely. I think I would put Pumpkinhead with Lance Henriksen above Return to Oz purely because I feel like it needs the bump because not enough people have seen Pumpkinhead. And also because it does something really, really cool with the revenge narrative, which is basically it's a revenge movie that goes, you know what? Revenge fucking sucks. It's not worth it.
1: Okay. So underneath Pumpkinhead is The Untamed, which is that Alien Fuck Beast movie that oh, came out. Oh, I love the Alien Fuck Beast movie,
2: though. <laughs> I didn't see that, it's that funny. does sound good. I would definitely put would to Return to Oz.
1: Oh, okay, Betty. Uh, the Untamed is there's a shed with an alien that wants to fuck and it does not care who you are it'll it, it's down to clown
0: nice it's down to clown but also its body is fundamentally incompatible in some ways with human bodies so it'll definitely bone down but it, you might get kind of mangled and there's somebody who like sort of runs the shack and people show up and they're like hey i heard there was an alien fuck beast, <laughs> and they're like i have a have a party but the thing is that it's also like a really tense like slice of life young adult drama
1: Wait. Yeah, it's like a family drama about a like a divorce that's ripping a family apart.
2: I, okay, I really want to see that. <laughs> oh
1: yeah, it's, it, it's I cannot true. recommend that movie enough. I feel <laughs> I like, like Return it. the Oz needs to go right beneath the Untamed and yeah. above Creep Two. I was definitely, definitely going to say
2: above Creep Two.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I'm Same. surprised you guys have Creep Two above Creep. I thought Creep was much better.
0: Well, there we go. I. I think Creep, um, my my problem with uh, Creep was mostly that the third act of the movie should have stayed at the house and I felt like once the guy gets away from the house and then he's just sort of like, whoa, I feel like there's a guy after me I feel like it loses some steam Yeah.
2: See, I just, I I thought the first one was so tense, like everything about it was Mm -hmm. very tense, very uncomfortable and I just didn't feel that tension with the second one, like it was still good and interesting but I wasn't Mm -hmm. like I don't know, the first one made me very uncomfortable, the
0: second one didn't yeah, that's totally fair. I think Creep 2, yeah, like, Creep 1 definitely has a more sort of self-contained, like, everything is terrible and everything is bad right now. And, uh, yeah, Creep 2 is more sort of like, you already since you already know his whole deal, mm-hmm. I feel like it sort of relies on the fact that you know the guy's whole deal without needing to build that suspense. I, I think you're actually probably totally right.
2: Yeah, he's just definitely not as creepy in the second one as he was in the first one. And that last scene in the first one was brilliant. <laughs> oh, yeah, with, just, what,
0: with Peach was just raising an axe above his head in a public (laughs) place oh Oh my god i i I actually lost my shit i accidentally shot um whiskey out my nose (laughs) at that scene because you just see this guy in a wolf desk slowly trudge up to a guy and you could just feel
2: you were like this is gonna happen and it's bad like you could just feel uh it and then it just he just did it and it was just filmed so unemotionally i don't know it was cool i thought oh yeah
0: yeah, yeah, it just yeah. It, they don't do a music cue. They don't zoom in on it. He just sort of goes, and then hit him with it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fucking great. So, so uh, coming in at our new number one hundred and eight is Return to Oz. I feel uh, I feel really good about that.
1: I feel good yeah, about You know what? I feel really bad about hmm. pollution.
0: Oh god.
1: Oh. And so oh, does Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk so, about Godzilla versus
0: Hedra. So Godzilla versus Hedra is also like a, a, a metaphor about nuclear um, apocalypse, takes on a metaphor about environmental apocalypse, so it's really just a metaphor battle, like battle between two allegories.
1: And it's, it's in a world where Godzilla is an action figure line, because the little kid like, is playing with Godzilla toys and then is like, Godzilla will save the day, and everyone's like, ha ha, whatever kid, and then Godzilla shows up.
2: See, I have not seen very many Godzilla movies, and this is not what I expected them to be like.
1: This <laughs> is oh, yeah. the only one that has a psychedelic rock band with dancing skeletons.
2: Oh my god. It was a very, oh, wait, yeah. what a very, very weird movie. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Fortunately, Godzilla vs. Hedra is on Archive.org, thanks to some very dedicated uh, internet users. So just uh, stream this movie. It is indescribably beautiful. So so this is, like, more ridiculous than most Godzilla movies. It is definitely the height of... um, What's weird is this is, like, a 70s Godzilla, too. So, like, you would think it would be... In the like '60s, with all the weird gels over the camera lenses, and like, oh the, yeah, the hip, like the hippies decide the way they're gonna beat the monster is a sit-in.
2: I couldn't like. Was Godzilla like he was trying to be funny, right? It was on purpose. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, so. I couldn't really figure it out at first. I was like, is this just <laughs> so? poorly put together (laughs) that it's
3: funny or
0: is he
2: trying to do these little flourishes but yeah okay he's trying to be funny that's fine
0: oh my god so like so so for watching a Godzilla movie for you like were were there certain expectations you had that you kept waiting for a thing to happen and it was like what the fuck am I watching um
2: I, no, I didn't really have any expectations It's like, okay Godzilla, there's going to be a bunch of big monsters Fighting each other, I'm not really sure What the plotline's going to be like, probably not much mm-hmm. And that right. is correct That's what I got, <laughs> but it still managed To be completely different than what I expected
1: Oh yeah. You mean oh my God. you didn't expect Godzilla to pluck two glowing eye orbs out of a pile of muck
2: and I, explode. I, I love with... how the monster just kept changing. It was like, oh I'm an ocean thing. Oh no, never mind, I'm a walking guy. No no no, I'm gonna fly. I'm a UFO. Like what?
1: <laughs> yeah, it's like, hey the blob yeah. is a movie. We could do that.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, where they're like, okay, so how do we personify uh, the concept of global warming. How do we make that look like a monster? And it's sort of like, they were like, they, they had this rogues gallery of Captain Planet villains. <laughs> like, probably it's a rod of plutonium or maybe it's an evil cloud or probably it's an oil slick. Anyway, it's gross. Definitely this we know.
1: I did okay, like so the goopy bit. Hedero is, the Japanese word, hedero, uh, um, means like, chemical ooze but also vomit
2: nice i found that when he was like the standing up part of himself he he was kind of like cthulhu like did you guys notice that yeah yeah, yeah. i
1: did not notice that the the like tendrils and as a mouth um but also oh. this movie has animation in it where uh yeah it does
2: I couldn't figure that out was that part of the newscast or was it just something different that's just the movie that's it was just, just like sometimes he just...
1: actually uh, Hedra is drinking oil tankers and whale blood and <laughs> people are having to wear gas masks that also happen to make a face that's the zone that's affected by the pollution monster yeah
0: yeah and so honestly like with Godzilla I feel like uh, I can forgive any Godzilla movie as long as they use the iconic Godzilla sound. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's the thing I look for. As soon as I hear that, it, like, it's it's like, all right, well, I've gotten exactly the thing that I wanted. I can go home. Like, ah, uh, I don't know. I feel like I've just seen so many Godzilla movies that at this point, I could watch Godzilla versus probably anything and be perfectly satisfied. So...
1: Let's talk about the metaphors. It's Godzilla, a metaphor for the evils of nuclear war, versus Hydra, the metaphor for toxic sludge. Right? Does it make any fucking sense? No, because then it's
2: like, oh, we teamed up with nuclear war, and luckily it saved us since Godzilla (laughs) helped.
0: (laughs) We need to nuke pollution until it dies. Oh, that's
2: a good idea.
0: yeah yeah let's just let's just nuke all of the garbage and then we should be good um, i feel
1: like the most identifiable moment is when godzilla just gets pissed off that he's an aquatic creature he lives in the ocean and he's like there's all this fucking trash in my ocean god damn it so he comes to shore to kick the trash's ass
0: that actually checks out as just a sort of like if well okay so Godzilla is not just um, so he's like what the the spirit of the vengeful ocean like he's I mean
1: just... he is kind of like a nature entity in a way of like if you fuck with Mother Nature he's get gonna Godzilla come back
0: and right. that's like
1: textual like the original he gets the name Godzilla because the islanders and the one islander like oh, that's the spirit of the island that we used to feed virgins to not, like, hurt us. Come and
0: crush us. Yeah, that makes sense. So, all right, so he moonlights as the avenging spirit of nature, but also he's, you know, a metaphor for the horrors of nuclear war.
1: Um, But also, get off my damn lawn.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But also, stop throwing pop-top bottles into my ocean, because dolphins keep getting fucking caught. Dolphins. (laughs)
2: Dolphins.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's feels very strongly about wildlife. Like so that's the thing. Godzilla is not even like, meh, you're ruining the ocean. It's just like, hey, get your shit off my lawn. <laughs> like, he he cares about his backyard, and that's and that's pretty much it. Um so on the list, I'm wondering, would you Okay, so let's let's find another uh uh XP for this. Carnosaur by Roger Corbin.
1: Oh, it's way fucking better than Carnosaur.
0: Alright, let's scroll up the list a little bit.
1: Okay, so Other batshit Japanese movies would be 1977's House at number 95.
2: House is much better than this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. it's that very psychedelic vein. Like, you can kind of tell they're both Japanese movies from the 70s. Except House is about a ghost cat and it's got a headless uh, woman biting a girl in the butt. I found. That, oh, and the like, guy turns into bananas. <laughs> <It's>
2: <laughs> yeah, true. Godzilla was kind of repetitive to me. Um, it just yeah. kept being like, some people are talking, and now the monster's coming, and he ate some people. And now Godzilla came, and then everybody left, and now people are talking again. And now the monster and Godzilla, and then <laughs> again, and then right. this time we team up with Godzilla. And the end.
1: <laughs> it's it's a pretty, pretty much movie. yeah. It's definitely a movie that you should put on a projector behind a bar and just let run with the sound yeah. on low. I mean, it's not really a movie you have to pay attention to. See,
2: I try to um, a lot of times I draw while I'm watching a movie. So I was drawing while I watched it the first time and I was like, I have no idea what happened in this movie at the end of it. Like, I, I can't talk about it. I don't know what the fuck just <laughs> happened. So I watched it again on um, Fed Up a little bit. <laughs> and um, I watched it again and I finished watching it and I was, I was like I have no idea what this movie about. <laughs>
0: I mean,
1: that's correct. Well, thank you that's for, com- for yeah. powering this movie more than one time.
2: I mean, I, I mean, I did speed it up the second time.
0: Yeah, I mean, anything <laughs> that like is a, is a plot in this movie is like, mm, is it though? Is it like, is that what a plot is?
1: It, so yes. by that nature, it can't be above Return to Oz because that has more plot. Yeah, than no. This
0: It sure does. Uh, I also uh, cannot and will not put this above Hellbound Hellraiser 2, which I also love, by the way, that there are several movies on our list that I think function as, like, gatekeeper boss battles for movies. Uh, Ah, that makes sense. Yeah, because we never really ask, like, oh, no, is this movie better or worse than The Exorcism of Emily Rose? Like, we we find it sort of relative to, okay, uh, Pumpkinhead, Hellbound Hellraiser 2... And then we get to, like, Raw Force when we're going into, like, bizarre, campy exploitation movies. Yeah. Um,
1: I, now that you mention it, we probably need to go down to, like, the weird, psychotronic, bizarre stuff. Like, is Freddy's oh, would, Dead yeah. better than Godzilla vs. Hedra?
0: Oh, Freddy's Dead is way yeah, better definitely. than Hedra. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so then... we
2: start at the other end of the list. <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: yeah, Freddy's dead. Rachel Talalay is a genius. So, I, yeah, of course I'm putting that above. I, I think, okay, okay. So let's uh, uh, come at it from the other end, right? So, um, The Island of Dr. Moreau with... Oh, it's
1: better than The Island of Dr. Moreau.
0: Yeah, yeah, Val Kelmer and uh, uh, Marlon Brando.
1: Oh, um, another Feruza movie. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, was yeah, she in that?
0: she was also in that.
1: Okay, it's better than Dr. Moreau because it has to be better than Two-Headed Shark Attack because there would be no Two-Headed Shark Attack. Without... If not,
0: without Godzilla. Okay, yeah. here's... All right, so Quincy, I've got a very important question for you. Uh, which is better, uh, Godzilla versus Hedra or uh, IWA Japan Nail Hell Deathmatch 1994 between two Leatherfaces and some guys?
1: Man, I would rather see a guy dressed like Leatherface try to murder a person in real life than watch <laughs> this Godzilla movie again. Yeah. I don't yeah, know what that says about me, but... <laughs>
0: Well, um, I think Betty, you had it completely right. It was like I pu- I put this on while I was doing other stuff, and then when I tried writing down notes about it to talk about during the show, I was just like, it's, it's <laughs> Godzilla. I don't know. He,
1: uh, okay. There's pollution. I've got the movie, The Twilight okay. People, number two ten, mm-hmm. which is Island of Dr. Moreau, but Filipino and kind of gay. Um, oh yeah, I've
0: really with that, the Twilight that People.
1: guy. <laughs> It's not as good as that bad guy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I kind of like the Twilight people, actually. Um, It's very good.
1: But it's better than Vampire Hunter D, don't
0: you think? Oh, definitely better than Vampire Hunter D.
2: I haven't seen Vampire Hunter D since I was little, so I will assume you're right.
1: Speaking
0: of movies that don't fucking
1: hold up, it is. Oh, boy.
0: Yeah, yeah, that was one of my first anime, uh, like, animes that I ever saw. And then I tried rewatching it, like, for, for this podcast and then realized, like, oh, it's... It's extremely bad. It's actually there is very, no very bad. existential
1: crisis worse than realizing all your anime tapes are garbage. <laughs> <laughs> Except for Akira. Akira is great. Everything else is very bad. Akira, um, maybe Golgo Thirteen and, and Lupin. Lupin always rules. But oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, but so most um, dangerous in... geist. No, thank you. <laughs>
0: Holy shit! Um, so, so uh, coming in at our new 211, um, above Vampire Hunter D and below the Twilight People is Godzilla versus Heidram. Betty, thanks for watching that. Oh my god!
2: <laughs> I mean, I'm glad you said something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that, your, your sacrifice has been
1: acknowledged. At least. <laughs> I
2: appreciate that.
1: <laughs> I I love that, like, I I like to imagine that anytime someone gets on this show, like, they recognize they're signing up for something awful, (laughs) because, like, at least it's better than, uh, Max Booth, who had to watch the worst movie on our list.
2: What did he Max watch?
1: night something strange it's about Corners. um a zombie std that you get from a toilet seat oh yeah
0: <laughs> Ma- max max has been through he's he's done his nickel i think he anytime he's on this podcast i feel like he can he has his pick of the litter for whatever movie he wants to do for
1: having done probably the worst movie that we have ever personally did
2: seen. did he do all the children of the corn with you guys too
1: Not yet. I think that's going to be his, um, that's going to be our penance, is we're going to do every single Children of the Corn I
2: thought he already watched
0: them all. Like, I think he's ready. You guys gotta keep
1: up. I think he's ready. I think (laughs) we just have to get around
0: to it. Yeah, yeah, he's the world's preeminent scholar on every Children of the Corn sequel. What a lucky man. There
1: was, like, two that came out in the past two years.
0: What's what's bizarre about that to me, is this the Money Maker franchise? Who... (laughs) wants more children of the corn movies like we've all probably seen the first one with linda hamilton and we're like oh, that's enough that's certainly <laughs> a, that's certainly a movie and then they just keep fucking like why i don't i it's completely
1: inscrutable to me why they is keep it a out. confusion between children of the corn and village of the damned
2: i always oh. get th- i always say the wrong one Well, not like i know the difference but i always get the mixed up
1: yeah, but like when I just say the titles, it's very easy to confuse them. So, is the entire franchise predicated on the wrong red net creepy children? <laughs> yeah,
0: I guess Village of the Corn doesn't sound very threatening. <laughs> it's just like, that's just where they keep all the corn. I don't fucking know. They just, they've got creepy blonde kids. It's a yeah. It's a Council of Corn. Um, so, um, I, w- I want to do one listener request, which is a movie that I am um, excited to p- put somewhere on this list. Uh, Tracy Turner requests v- uh, Wes Craven's 1996 uh, Problem, Vampire in Brooklyn.
1: So, full disclosure, Tracy is my cousin, and mm-hmm. she's really great. She has bought me a lot of DVDs to do on the show, but... Uh... I love you but fuck off. <laughs> Vampire in Brooklyn is terrible.
0: I you know what it is? I hate to say this. I you're going to you're going to you're going to want to disown me. I kind of like Vampire in Brooklyn. It okay, is... it's wild
1: because it's uh-huh. not a comedy.
0: No, it's not a comedy. It doesn't function as a straight ahead horror movie. It doesn't function as a romance. It what's All right, what's amazing about this movie? Everybody involved in this, but especially Eddie Murphy, super, super serious about being in this movie. (laughs) Oh! I always thought it was
2: one of those, like, kind of tongue in cheek movies, but they're, like, serious.
0: Yeah. Like, because, you know, you get the bit where it's, like, he inhabits the body of a preacher who he can't go into a church because he will burst into flames. So you get Eddie Murphy playing Eddie Murphy, playing a preacher, and, um,. Now, Wes Craven, I do appreciate that he was trying to do, like, a Caribbean vampire thing that he was like, okay, well, let's, maybe, but the problem is that it's basically just a bad Dracula riff. Yeah. Without bringing in any actual, like, Caribbean, like, because the thing is, he already made a Haitian zombie movie earlier in his career in the 80s called this, uh, the, Serpent, the Serpent and the Rainbow.
1: Yeah, and that movie owns.
0: That movie's so fucking good. And then <laughs> Vampire in Brooklyn, um, holy shit. Uh, It it is, um, it's extremely bad, but I'm fond of it because everybody involved in this, you can tell, thinks they are in something good.
1: They are not. (laughs) <laughs> I will say the gag of the guy that keeps falling apart is pretty good.
0: Oh, the ghoul who... Yeah, the the fall-apart ghoul who is like... He's waxing a car and his hand comes off. A guy totally sees it and no-sells it. Like, he does not care that the ghoul's hand just fell off. He's just like, yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, Wes Craven. Now, I all right, the, the story that I think about a lot is... Um, a, a, a couple of years ago, like, this was in 1996, Wes Craven had done... A, a showing of his new movie Vampire in Brooklyn at like UCLA or someplace to the film department and you know they all watched it and then he took a Q&A session and apparently one kid at UCLA was just like he got up and was like hi Wes um why don't you make good movies anymore <laughs> <laughs> and Wes Graven, of course is like your horror dad so he was very sort of like well you know I think I think Vampire in Brooklyn was a pretty good movie and then he's like no no It's very bad, and you used to make good movies. What if you made movies that were good? (laughs) And then, obviously, this takes place a year before he directs fucking Scream. So, I don't know what happened with... And and this was, like, the last of Eddie Murphy's, like, Paramount contract movies. Um, I have no idea what happened with Vampire in Brooklyn, but it is extremely bad, and I'm also weirdly fond of it. (laughs) So, what's the...
1: What's the lowest ranked Wes Craven, maybe,
0: on our list? Oh, man. we See, we haven't done Shocker, so it's not going to be Shocker. It would be Shocker. Uh, the lowest...
1: It's actually, hmm. I think, um, Nightmare on Elm Street. Like, we don't have any bad <laughs> ones on here yet. Oh, see, goodness. we haven't
2: done Shocker. I just we... saw Nightmare. I thought it was, um, your Nightmare on Elm Street there. I thought that was going to be, like, the original, but it was the twenty ten.
0: Yeah. So oh, I was like, oh, yeah. how
2: the hell did they put Nightmare on Elm Street that low?
0: Oh my no, god, it's... it's my favorite film franchise. I think I would actually rather commit ritual suicide than put the original Nightmare that far down the but list.
2: But yes, once I saw 2010, I was like, oh yes.
0: Ah uh, yes, yes, <laughs> Everything yes. Everything makes sense now. See, but we haven't done Shocker by Wes Craven, and we haven't done Deadly Friend. Um, for oh, one of deadly my favorite... Friend. Oh, Deadly Friend. You know, for one of my favorite directors, Wes Craven has made some, some real movies
1: that don't forget about my soul to keep and um
0: Ooh. oh
1: curse my soul to take i'm sorry
0: yeah my soul to take yeah
1: and so, red eye he did red eye <laughs> <laughs> he oh boy
2: oh i um, think
0: you know actually now that i think about it i don't hate red eye yeah it's all right. it's not not the worst thing i've ever seen. so uh quincy here's here's my question for you <clears throat> in your heart of hearts can you put high tension above vampire in
1: brooklyn all day long
0: (laughs) wow man and you
1: hate high tension i don't like the french new extreme um here's Mm -hmm. what's irksome though right underneath high tension is sword in the claw and you will have to drag me uh iron lion claws dug into the ground uh back into a theater to see um vampire in brooklyn
0: Yep, that checks out. Um, so, we're putting that... So, so
1: right under Sword in the Claw is another, like, black exploitation, Like, Blackenstein is 161. Uh, what's the Ooh. better, like, black american horror movie? Blackenstein, Blackenstein is... Or?
0: Blackenstein definitely goes above Vampire in Brooklyn, I think.
1: So, further down the list is... Um, terrence howard's fright club would you rather see terrence howard (laughs) honestly scaring people and Um, saying i "I spooked you the problem is um, if
0: you're asking me would i rather see terrence howard leaping out and yelling i spooked you at anybody i will pick that over anything and now that's number one on the list (laughs) so that's not fair
1: Okay, okay, what's worse? This documentary, The Real Chainsaw Massacre, where they said, This murder's kind of like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, or <laughs> Vampire in Brooklyn. Oh, Vampire in Brooklyn's better than that, I think. That's my floor.
0: Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. So above that are those Gorgon video magazines with Linnea Quigley and Mm -hmm. um that screaming mad george halloween contest
0: actually i tell you what i don't think this is better than the first annual monster makers halloween contest but i do think it's better than gorgon video magazine volumes one and two because it at least adds to the culture of talking about the bad vampire movies in a way that gorgon video just recaps so
1: yeah yeah uh and it has a wes craven interview in it and yeah it does okay so that puts vampire in brooklyn as number 184 betty thank you for talking to us about a good movie this week <laughs> one good movie <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah
1: uh-huh. um if our listeners want to find you uh where can they go online
2: uh BettyRocksteady.com is my website and i'm on facebook and twitter as betty rocksteady too
0: hell yeah Um, And do you have any um, any stuff that you are working on right now that you would like to plug or that you think everybody needs to be uh, checking out right now?
2: Um, Well, Lost Signals from Perpetual Motion Machine Publishing is coming out very, very soon. And that's going to be really cool. And I have a story in that. And then in the fall, the writhing skies is coming out, and that has gonna have 20 illustrations. It's only a novella, so that's a lot of pictures for a short book. And oh, yeah. uh, it's really goopy and gross and horrible. So I think everyone should read it. <laughs>
3: Excellent. Yeah,
1: um, I've, I just uh, finished reading um, Light teeth, like jagged teeth again, and it's so good. Oh, cool! I thanks. Cannot recommend it enough.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah.
1: I'm if not... you like, um, if you like, Return to Oz esque, this should be for children, but it is definitely not for children. <laughs> That's kind of my my way of describing uh, Betty's writing. Yeah, that um, actually works really well. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Um, Quincy, where can our uh, listeners find us on the internet?
1: Well, um, I just found out this week that uh, we got an acknowledgement in the back of Joshua Choplinski's. Uh, reanimated edition of Kanye West Reanimator so if you want to pick that up we have a very nice note in the back where uh, Josh says thanks to us so thanks Josh also it's a book where he mashes up Kanye West's biography with uh, HP Lovecraft so buy that ASAP Mm -hmm. Um, we are also on Twitter at RankinVileCast we are on um, Tumblr .tumblr rankinvile.tumblr.com uh, Tumblr Ask Box is where you can send us um, movie suggestions, or you can send us an email at Wreck and valcast, and you can pretty much send us anything you want. Um, if you are a company that wants to advertise with us, um, or you're a filmmaker that wants to share your movie with us, or if you want to be a guest or whatever, you just want to say hi, uh, shoot us an email, rankandvilecast at gmail.com. Um, we are also on Instagram, at rankandvile. Uh, so, hit get at us.
0: Yeah, um, but barring that, I think that's all I've got. Yeah, Do you got anything else?
1: That's it. Have a good week, y'all.
0: Later, folks.
3: Bye.